morning. Uh, Scott and I are going to be doing our mailbag uh, later this afternoon, probably early evening. Um, so we'll get that out tomorrow morning. Um, but in the meantime, here is yesterday's MLB Mondays. This is a Patreon exclusive, um, but you guys can listen to it for free because we're just in a good mood today. So enjoy. This is what you missed out if you're not a Patreon. Please consider uh, subscribing and supporting the channel. Patreon.com slash The Walk Off Podcast. Morning. Good morning, Al. How are you? Not too bad. How's your day going? I'm all right. I, you know, I'm getting over this cold and I thought I was past it. And now I woke up with a tingle in my throat again. So I'm worried. I'm hoping it's, it's nothing, but we'll see. Well, I'm sorry, man. Hopefully, uh, I wish all the best that that just gets the hell out of your system. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, Scott should be ready. He sent me the notes for, uh, MLB Mondays. So, the, uh, we're going to mostly talk about the uh, Hater signing with the Astros mm-hmm. and uh, Anthony Rendon's comments on too many ball the games. The shortened season. season. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, man. I just had a little mini panic attack. I was going to say Scott hopped on too, but you have Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you follow Alec Manoa? I don't follow Alec Manoa on Instagram. Hold on. Let's start. Go look at the picture in his story right now. Tell me if that inspires confidence for his conditioning heading into this season. Oh, uh, Alec Manoa camp is what we're looking at here. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of <laughs> contradicts, uh, contradicts the, uh, that one image of him working out. Oh. I mean, you can catch anybody at an unflattering angle. So, yeah, the, so the I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but that's a Husky looking picture, man. The, the montage that he has at his camp is a bunch of images of unflattering angles. So, oh, I haven't, I didn't look that deep. You're not making me feel any better. <laughs> oh, now I got to look even deeper. Yeah. Especially when, like, you can go click on oh, this, yeah. which is like, you, you can click on a one of his reels where it's like him in peak form. And you're like, oh, that is, that is a different form. That is a different figure. Yeah. Yeah, that does not, that does not inspire too much confidence. That's for sure. I, I mean, it could be the shaggy hair and the beard, but he looks like a young John Candy, and not. <laughs> oh God. This is. Oh man, I'm so bummed out right now. Well, I'm sorry. Dude. <laughs> yeah, that is not uh, the most flattering imagery, and he needs to have some flattering imagery. Right now. Yeah. Did he? Did he get married in the off season? 
Um, looks like uh, wedding photos from December 10th. Yeah. I mean, maybe he got pregnant on the honeymoon for all I know. Damn. Damn. Yeah, there. Yeah. All he got for Damn. I don't know. I, I'm rooting for him. It, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And he like he lost he lost a season of he lost a season of like his arbitration gets pushed back a year because of mm -hmm. he he's the one who taught me that that was even possible to like yeah come in do a full season do like a season and a half and then get shuffled down to the minors and have your arbitration years pushed back I'm like wow you can you can do that later yeah. I know. I thought once the clock started, it started. I didn't know it was still a moving window. Um, and the hater stuff is is interesting. Um, Blake Snell is really interesting when uh, uh, they're saying that like one fifty is kind of the max that he may go for, which is wild because Hater gets a hundred. And like the two times Cy Young in different divisions can't get half of what the 25 year old unproven star out of Japan gets. It's, it's um, you know, what does that say about the human condition where we all, not all of us, but I mean, broadly speaking, the value that we place on like potential, you know, Very it's true. just like, yeah, it's crazy. Crazy to think about, like you said, unproven. I mean, whatever. He's been proving it in Japan for a while, but it is, uh, it is not the same caliber regardless of what happened at the world baseball classic. It's a you know five foot ten hundred and seventy pound dude, and it's a pitcher. He right? Yeah, he's only five ten. Tiny. It's like a little Strowman out there. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of stress to put on your arm when you're five ten, getting it up to ninety nine, ninety seven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no the um. The um, breakdown will be up this afternoon, and then hopefully by Wednesday we start seeing. Oh, we'll start seeing people submit for it tonight. Cool. But um, cool. yeah, it'll be fun to start putting together uh, our top one hundreds. I guess. Yeah, be good. That's here. Morning, hey guys. Good morning. Is that a yellow hat? Sure is. Oh. Is the Jays logo normal blue color? 
It's the regular blue color, yeah. Looks like a tinge it's of a, red in it. Am I mistaken? There, there's a there's a red outline to it, okay. and then the patch I think has oh, like no. a red. I've worn this one before. This is old news, but uh, it is one of my faves. It stands out, you know. It's it's untraditional. <laughs> I uh, I think I've come around on. What's the nice, what's the, what's a word I can use that won't be. I've worn you down with the different colored hats. You've worn me down on the different colored hats. I was going to say gaudy. I was going to say flamboyant. Yeah. I Um, would accept both of those. (laughs) Okay. I think the deal breaker for me is I, I mean, my wife talked me into the all black hat, which is even this is too colorful for me. I mean, um, it looks sharp on you, though. The and you were kind of against the all black, but it looks really yes, good, man. Yes, uh, thank you. Um, let your woman dress you is the lesson there. Oh, um, yes, but I think because uh, so I was looking at some of the interesting colored hats, uh, you know, over Christmas seat shopping season or whatever. And I think the deal breaker on every one that I saw was that big side patch. That's fair. That's fair. It took me a while to get used to the pack, yeah. and now I like it. But honestly, I didn't like it at first. Yeah. So I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> just that you can put anything on me and I'll eventually like it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I have a football ever... question for you, Adam. Okay. Uh, did you did you watch that game last night? Uh, Bill. Yes and, and no. I watched a, a condensed version of it, but yeah, I watched all of the fourth okay. quarter and I skimmed through the first three quarters. And you know darn well, I'm not a football fan, but I had nothing else to do and watch the game. And wow, yeah, what a game put, to watch, too. It yeah, was awesome. With this fumble? Like, no. Okay. My question is, is it not weird that the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Kel- Jason Kelsey, is where was wearing beef gear? Like, is that not... Like, I'm going to tell you right now, Brady and Matthew Kachuk would never do that. Like, Matthew (laughs) Kachuk, like, I remember Brady coming to Flames games when the, when Calgary was in the playoffs and cheering on Matthew, but he was still draw, he was all in Senator's gear. Yeah, I I never thought of it before. Um, It's the only way he gets to hang out with Taylor. I guess so, eh? You got to put on the the Chiefs gear or no Taylor for you. Did he retire, though, the brother, the elder brother? We don't know yet. Well, he played this year. I mean, he did the documentary last year, and then there was the question mark at the end of it kind of a thing. But he did come back, and he played this year. Yeah. Um, They got got eliminated, though, in the first round. Yeah, I think he had, like, a tearful kind of retirement moment on his brother's podcast. I don't don't know if that... that, Is it his brother's podcast, or do they do it together? I think it's a co-host situation. Oh, maybe it? it's a co-host situation. That could be. Anyways, I don't know. I've never actually seen it other than the odd clip on TikTok. Um, but yeah, I if guess if I was that's... an Eagles fan, I would hate that man. I would hate that. And I'm I I I've got two brothers that I'm super close mm-hmm. with, and I understand supporting the family and stuff like that. But at a point, it's like it, it's like. If my brother played for the Yankees, I still wouldn't cheer for the Yankees. I don't give a shit, man. Like yeah, I'd cheer for you. my brother. I'd wish him all the best. But the Yankees, come on. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe football's different. I've never actually like I've never played. I didn't grow up playing football or anything like that. So I don't know what the culture of football is. Um, yeah, the Kachuk brothers don't host a podcast together either, and they're no, they much younger, right? They're what in yes. their twenties. Yes, mm-hmm. they are. So that might come with maturity, like. Travis and Jason both have Super Bowl rings. Yes. So I think that also probably pays plays a part in plays it. Plays into when it. When you're both like, all right, we're both champions. We're going to still have to be family at the end of this. But I think when you're – probably age is a bigger thing than a sport, hockey versus football, is just when you're a young, arrogant, still trying to prove yourself, trying to pick – you know, who's the bigger, who's the better brother in the family. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Taylor Swift would probably never date Matthew Kachuk. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, there's the MLB Mondays. Oh. It is MLB Mondays. So hello to the Patreon. I... We Go have ahead, one of the Joel. softest intros of all time is Joel and I kind of just hung out for 10 minutes. He's out. He's over it. <laughs> <laughs> he's had enough he's, he's gone um so oh he's literally gone oh he's literally he's gone fucking we have offended us. we have offended hey Kami, and now he is no longer all That's right well, sure once we're off joined. the rails we've weeded out the casuals joel included yeah that's right uh so my list is it's funny, dude. I had so many messages from people being like, it is so impressive. Adam did anything on Friday because nothing has happened. And that was actually one of my talking points that I sent you was like, yeah, nothing that. continues to happen. Uh, I mean, the Blue Jays still have some bats they need, obviously. Uh, so we'll touch on that really quickly, I guess. I don't know. Man, I tried uh, to come up with a top 10 list for what I want to see this season. I came up with four things. On Friday, <laughs> you're, you're like, four. let's make it a top four. That classic yeah. top four the list. Classic yes. top four. Yeah, David Letterman, top four. I'm in uh, Miami right now, and this airport hotel I'm in, dude. Like, I my my view. I'm just gonna turn my computer around to show mm-hmm. you guys, but it's just like <laughs> straight runway, right? just all runway. There really is. Uh, no palm trees or the things I was looking forward to Miami after this, I'm going to take an Uber downtown, but, uh, yeah. How <laughs> long are you, like, how long are you laid up I've, then before you got to go on your next cruise? Sorry. Got to go, uh, get to go. Well, I, I fly out, uh, tomorrow morning to Antigua and then I hop on the ship there the next morning. So Tuesday okay. morning, uh, you're going to be here for my Wednesday then? morning. I don't, Okay. No, I don't think so. Yeah, um, no unless we can do it later in the day. Uh, tomorrow, yeah, probably. But just in case, yeah, uh, can... send me whatever you get from Twitter and stuff. And okay, yeah, we'll, we'll make Sweet. something happen. Yeah, sounds good. Um, um the uh, oh, tell me how your 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 shows went then before we get into baseball. Everybody wants to know. Super clean um, cruise ship comedy. How did it go? Oh my god, dude! It was interesting. It was definitely interesting. I've never played shows like this. And it how was... many did you do? So I did four shows in two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first night was a 10, 15, 45 minute PG thirteen show, and then 
the next night was three 30 minute shows that could all be the same, but it had to be PG. And PG. Uh, yeah. You, can you even talk tough. about weed in a PG show? No. Oh no. I didn't even talk about weed. I, I had one line. I have one line where I talk about uh, when I, my wife thought I was going to propose to her. Hey, Joel, yeah, welcome right, back. Right. My wife thought I was going to propose to her. We were like on this big romantic seventh anniversary, like celebration of dating. And we had like walked to the end of this long rocky pier in the ocean. And like the sun is setting and everything. And I literally like, this is a true story. I turned her and I was all excited. I'm like, Oh baby, you're going to be so excited. I came prepared for this moment. And I kind of sort of kneeled down and I didn't even know, like she didn't tell me what was going on in her brain until like two days later because she was like mad and weird for the rest of the night and like it had to i really had to pry it out of her the next morning but like i in this half kneeled after telling her she's gonna be so excited moment and i'm so glad i came prepared right i pulled out a joint (laughs) (laughs) and not a ring right so like that was the only even mention of weed and even that got tight like it was weird too, but didn't even like I, speak to you after and was like, "Hey, cut the drugs." No. No? Honestly, man, it was weird. Like no one was really paying attention on the ship. Like I went and talked to the cruise director afterwards, and she was like, "Well, we had no complaints, so that's really all we're after." Um, the <laughs> the age range, though, I just have never, I've never had an age range like that. Like it was like How, literally oh, yeah. eight, 18 to. 90 wow and dude the majority of the people were 60 to 75 and like the amount of references that went over their head that that just land every single time you know like i was talking so you know when you're watching netflix even like talking about jumping on trampolines like everyone was like we've i don't know what you're talking about like (laughs) I was born before they were invented. By the time they were a thing, my knees didn't work. So uh, well. anyways, I guess I guess what I'm saying is like uh, there, there were a couple good shows. There was one real rough one where it was just like 30 minutes of like, I felt like a dancing monkey on stage. You know, I kept doing this because my trick was in a 30 minute set. I'm like, well, if it gets really quiet in here, I can just run. I have a wireless mic, right? So I just like go off the stage, literally went into the crowd, start high fiving people and being like, come on, let's get the energy up here. Oh <laughs> Did you have to do that? Oh, yeah, man. A couple times. Really? Yeah, a couple times. Uh, I felt very Danny Martinello, Drew Bamish at times, right? Where really? I'm like, I'm not this energy guy, but I had to dig down deep and pull out energy because. No one else was. It it felt very uh like a like a succubus, the crowd. Like the crowd was just sucking my energy and not giving anything back. You know how audiences like to uh-huh. you laugh and, and give appreciation <laughs> and give back? No, 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 no. So it was uh it was a learning experience and I can tell I'm going to get better at it. Like crowd work really is, is the way to go with these right. shows, but yeah. um was there know. any children there? No. Thank God. So PG, no. but everyone's still 18 plus. Yeah. Well, they're all 60 plus. Wow. Right. I I had a 630 show, boys, that literally there were pe- there were old people. Like there was only about 25 people there because it's 630. Everyone's eating. Mm-hmm. Who goes to a show at 630? The only ones there were people like literally 80 plus almost. 
And there were still people falling asleep in the crowd before I started. I'm like, this is fucked. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So I don't know. I, I did. I did by the end be like, this is something that I'll do maybe once a month. Like yeah. the money's really the good. Money's and it's good. the only reason I'm doing it. But like it, the, the warm and fuzzy feelings you do comedy for. Yeah. Th those were not. Involved Are you enjoying in the rest of the cruise? Otherwise, like your time between shows, do you get to go and like enjoy the yeah. cruise? Yeah. But I'll be honest, man. Like I was on the ship for 44 hours. Uh, yeah. Two and a half hours of that was performing comedy. About 14 of that was sleeping. Uh, yeah. There was about another four hours that was just involved in the red tape of figuring out my rides, mm -hmm. checking into hotels and, and into my flights and like, cause it's right. a, it was a crazy schedule. Like I flew the red eye from Calgary to Fort Lauderdale was there for an evening, jumped on the cruise ship, was on the ship, but had to still like arrange my uh, rides from Jamaica. Cause I hopped on in Fort Lauderdale, got off in Falmouth, Jamaica get to the airport i'm checked in there fly to miami i fly to antigua in the morning i hop on a ship for another 40 hours and i'm back in fort lauderdale to fly back so like yeah not a holiday there's moments there's it's not a holiday like there's <laughs> moments where yeah like i'm sitting on the deck in the sun and i'm like this is awesome but it's not like i'm just relaxing like my brain's also like <gasps> yeah 45 minutes of clean material to old people <laughs> Right, right, right. Well, while other while people in walkers are walking by me, being like, "Hello, where are you from?" I'm like, "Hey, I'm... Um, <laughs> don't come to the show." <laughs> are, are you? Is your wife? You said your wife's coming to the next one. Is that like uh, the I don't immediate know next one? Now. Or... Uh, no, not this one here in a day. Uh, in a I have another weeks. one in a couple weeks here that okay. I'll be hopping on. Still. But after this I one, you're talking I out don't of think it. So. Yeah, like, I don't see how she would enjoy just being on a ship for 40 hours with a completely nervous wreck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, they 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 let her on the ship and everything, and so she's covered for that, but she still has to get her own flights and all that, and it's just like, yeah. I don't know if it's worth it. Like, yeah, she wants to go on a cruise. Let's just go on a cruise. Although, it's funny, cruise. just uh, what I could find myself feeling is I'm like, after I do a couple of these, there's no way I'll ever want to do a cruise for a vacation. Recreation, like, yeah. Like yeah, even as I really got off weird. the ship, I was like, "Good riddance." Like, <laughs> good riddance. Uh, I've never been on a cruise, like big mega cruise ship. Is it like? It's impressive. It is okay, really impressive relative to like the Tawasin to Victoria ferry. Bigger than yeah. that? Oh yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, and and there were times, do you, man. Do you like, feel I, the motion of the ocean? Are you getting like seasick out there? Or? I don't get seasick, but oh. I can see how some you people, people would. would. Really? Yeah. Okay. I would have um, thought at that but, size that it would be pretty, like it's pretty, pretty stable. It's yeah. pretty stable. There's only moments because yeah. it's the ocean, right? Like it's the ocean. I, I it is pretty cool how fast those ships get going though, man. Like I got outside, especially at night, they're ripping on it. Mm. They are ripping on it. Like you're seeing them pass birds as they fly. Like it was pretty cool. I know I got That's outside cool. after my show uh the first night I was on and it was like eleven thirty at night. 
And you like, I, I found myself getting sick looking down at how fast we were going, just being like, who, That's like, you know, today. that kind of anxious feeling where you're like, fuck, if I fell in, I'm yeah, just gone. Like, I'm just gone. Like, they wouldn't even, the, the ship would be so far past me before I even got my wits about me, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Eh? There's no, there's no uh, yelling up at the ship either. Eh? You're no. probably a few stories no. down. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, crazy, it was crazy. And man, what a business, like what a big business. Like they've got everything down to a T. It was crazy. Anyways, we're, we're way off the rails have you, here. It's fine. We have another 40 minutes to fill and no baseball to talk about. Um, <laughs> people want to know, Scott, they want to know the, what you, what you do outside of the podcast. So this is good. I'm sure everybody has enjoyed this. Uh, have you ever done any shows with like small children in the audience? Yeah. Yeah. They don't like me. No, I only, I did. Okay. When I was pretty early in my comedy career and I was in Red Deer, I did a show in Sylvan Lake. Yeah. We were opening a, it was the, it was the grand opening of this new restaurant, like a fancy restaurant right on the lake. And I don't know why we got brought in to do this. Mike Dambra was headlining and then I was opening and Greg Plett, you know, Greg from Red Deer. Yes. Yeah, was, was oh, middle. What a squeaky clean kid type of show, too. <laughs> oh yeah. So so I mean, I was still. We weren't. We didn't know this was an all ages show for one. Right. I don't think whoever hired us knew that either. But we go there and it's like fancy, like fancy uh, thing, and there is, I would say probably a hundred people, in this restaurant all at the tables. And probably two dozen children under the age of 10. It was a quarter of the room was all the people's kids. They're all sitting at one table, though. Like all the parents were on their dates and then all the kids were at the kids table. It was a very interesting dynamic. I did my set. It went as good as you could expect from a first year comic. And then Greg came on and was just like before the show. Greg and Dambra and I, we were all just like laughing about how ridiculous it was, like that there's kids here and like hopefully they leave and blah, blah, blah. They didn't leave. And Greg just went, I mean, I guess to his credit was just unapologetically himself for, and for anybody that doesn't know Greg Platt is just, how would the, you the best way to a gay crocodile Dundee? Well, he's not gay, but he is. Oh, he is maybe I'm thinking of a different guy. You must be. He is the um, long Jesus hair welder with big, oh, gross yeah, yeah. meth okay. beard. Okay. Never mind. Um, Never mind. Oh, no. I'm thinking of that guy. Okay. Isn't he's not gay. Is said about sucking dick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he's not gay. He's homo He's as homophobic as it gets. Right. Maybe a closeted gay. But he'll do gay things. He'll do gay things. Um, and he'll talk about it on stage. He'll talk about it. Not gay though. <laughs> okay, I think he's married with kids now. Anyways, he went on and was just like doing crowd work to the kids' table. Amazing. And just teaching them the most vulgar words, just literally like saying, "So here's what you're gonna do when you go home. You're gonna go home and you're gonna call your aunt a whatever, and just like <laughs> insert you know this word or that word and." uh it was just wild to see 
all of everybody was just like quiet and uncomfortable, but nobody like got their kids to leave. Like Greg just went for 15 minutes explaining <laughs> what like 69ing was to eight year olds. And all of the parents were just like, Ugh, but no one would like do anything about it. And then of course, That's Danbra amazing. came up and killed and totally saved yeah. it. And they got the yeah. kids out between Greg and the headliner. Yeah. But was, uh, I mean, yeah, Danbra was probably know. thrilled because Greg went up and did what he was, I guess what he was supposed to was clear the kids out of the room. So yeah. Danbra could come in and do his set, which <laughs> is not a clean set either. Um, free of children. So Danbra was probably it's, thrilled with it. It's funny how there are so many things that could, and I never thought of this because I remember when I did my, uh, I, it was a family friendly show at a campground and there were kids there and I didn't even think of this. And I did this joke. You guys have never heard it. It's a super old joke. I dusted it off and did it on the cruise ship, but I had to double check because I'd learned my lesson. I'm like, is there kids in the crowd? So basically the joke is uh, my cousin, Jeff, He's substantially younger than me. He has these cargo pants and he's always got things in his pockets that are like super fun and cool. And his par pockets were bulging one day. And I was like, what's in there? And he pulls out this like plastic toy giraffe. And I was just like, I don't know. Even looking back, I'm like, I shouldn't have said this, but I, I was like, you know, giraffes aren't real, right? Like, and he was mad. He's like, yeah, they are. I was like, no, they're not. Look at their, look at that neck. What are you going to tell me next, Jeff? That unicorns and dragons exist, right? And then the rest of the joke basically goes like, yes, that seems horrible. And yeah, the comic in me should have backed off at that time. And I even felt guilty afterwards. But you know what? In a world where kids are constantly growing up and having these things taken away from them, right? Like first Santa Claus doesn't exist. Bad move to say in front of kids, by the way. Uh, next, the Easter Bunny doesn't exist finally you find out god doesn't exist of course on the cruise ship i'm like the tooth fairy doesn't exist because let's not get into religion right and on, and anyways the punchline is basically just as everyone's taking away guess who's giving back oh <laughs> uncle scott guess what jeffy giraffes exist you're welcome, right? <laughs> but it's oh, yeah. nothing like going to your cruise director and being like, hey, are there Santa Claus restrictions on this thing? <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, All right, well. All right. Let's, let's try uh, and talk some baseball here, let's right? Let's talk some baseball, yeah. Did, did any of you hear the Eric Kratz, Davis Schneider interview? Yeah, I watched it live. The on foul territory about, or whatever. Yeah, foul territory. So before we even get into this, I do want to say foul territory rules. I, I love foul territory. It's actually <laughs> such a great show, and I do quite enjoy Eric Kratz, even though he does look like the biggest fifty-year-old douche with that backwards hat. It is insane how some people can pull off a backwards hat. He is not one of them, but. He came out and basically offhandedly too was like, Hey Davis, what is the most annoying question that you get regularly? Obviously you're up in Toronto. We all know they don't know anything about baseball and paraphrasing, but that was kind of the sentiment is that Jays fans don't know baseball. And then he was like, uh, you know, is it something like, Hey, what's it like being related to your manager? Which of course rubbed all blue Jays fans the wrong way 
as it should, especially considering it was such a genuine moment. You know, like there's trolling and then there's just you being a shithead. Condescending, and yeah. Condescending. And it was just so much of the, the condescension side of the scale. To the player who has the hottest start of a career in Major League Baseball history. That's what you want to know. Hey, uh, how shitty is your fan base? Yeah. I don't care about your record start to the sport that's existed for 160 years. Uh, there were some great jokes about it. I mean, even like I retweeted, I was like, first you have that horrible question. Then you put down Jays fans, as we say here in Canada, strike two and you're out. So, <laughs> right. pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I was uh, I was reading the comments on Reddit about it. And there were some pretty good ones too. It was like, can you explain what it means to have a negative 0.1 career war in hockey terms? <laughs> That's Kratz's uh, career war, by the way. Um, yeah. yeah it's like, I, uh, I read another one too, where it was like, uh, they gave us stats as a blue Jay 40 games, a batting average of 198. Everyone keeps talking about how you were chasing the Mendoza line. Can you explain what that means? <laughs> that's awesome Um, you know what's funny is there were a lot of people that were super offended and i don't know i just kind of laughed it off it's like okay buddy like you want to act like canada doesn't it's like if canadians act like americans don't know hockey in this day and age like it's 2023 america's producing more hockey players than any country in the world right now even mm -hmm. more than canada in fact, if we go to the Olympics, the Americans are probably the favorite. Look at the freaking talent they've got right now. Like hockey's going huge there. Well, so all of our uh, all of our great NHL players from the eighties and nineties who played in Detroit and St. Louis had yeah. kids there, and yeah, now, like we just talked about the Kachucks right off the top, right? Exactly. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I. It kind of started with the Shohei Otani stuff, right? And the way that it really feels like a pile commentators on, right? were <laughs> were uh, were talking about how it's good for baseball that he didn't go to a small market like Toronto and whatever. And everybody gets so worked up about it. And I'm kind of in the same boat as you just said, Scott. Where I'm like, I don't really. Maybe it's because we're West Coast. Like none yeah. of us are from Toronto. So when everybody's yeah. like, "Yeah, fuck Toronto." The three of we're us are all like, just like, hey, like, that's yeah, our team. That's Whereas everybody else is like, that's my identity. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, I am yeah. Toronto. Um, boy, we're losing a lot of fans already with this one. <laughs> but no, Luckily, it's just it's a Patreon exclusive. <laughs> well, everybody's unsubscribing. Like, there's sure. only like 20 of you watching this. We appreciate um, all 100 plus yes. of you, by the way, in Patreon. But I know darn well, there's only about 20% that are watching these Patreons. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, you, you made a good point about like the hockey and that's what I was thinking of too, right? Is like, it's just, it's a, uh, it's a stereotype and it's, it goes both ways. And like, we just talked off the top too about like the football stuff and like none of us know anything about football. And I think broadly speaking, most Canadians probably don't know baseball that much about baseball. Yeah. I mean, but that's probably also true about most fan bases in, in the U S too. Like, I don't know how many of the Cincinnati population 
how many of them are like avid baseball experts versus the ones that go to the games. I don't know. It's but it's let's let's get right into Anthony Rendon then because I I know that's another comment that maybe other people were more worked up about than I was. So read it. I, I'll I'll read out exactly what happened here. But um, so to start with, this is from the Jack Vital show. It's a podcast. And he had Anthony Rendon on of the Angels and asked uh, one thing he could change about the game, which, by the way, a very good question, Eric Kratz, maybe take note there. That's a pretty darn good question to ask. And at Rendon's answer rubbed baseball people the wrong way. And even myself included until I took some time to think about it. Right. And calm myself down a bit. But he was like, we got to shorten the season, man. There's too many dang games, 162 games in 185 days or whatever it is. got to shorten this bad boy up. And it is January 22nd. We are all starved for baseball. And my first reaction was, fuck you, man. <laughs> Give me baseball right now. Like, I want it bad, right? But, I mean, the truth is, you know, you, you they took a snippet of this hour and 12 minute podcast so i'm sure context matters hugely here right and if you do listen a little deeper into this podcast he does talk about the fact he has four kids and his wife and he's away from them for eight months a year and i know frick i've been away from my wife for a week on these cruise trips i tour all the time i i'm always homesick and missing her by week one or two i can't even imagine being away for months at a time although i mean anthony rendon by the way, um, seven years, $245 million. If he really wanted his wife and kids along with him, he probably could pull that off. But how, however you want to spin it. So I do understand a little bit that mindset. But I understand the pushback from baseball fans too. You know, because like we're all, we're all avid fans and we would love for the top players in the game the guys who are being paid the most to also love the game like we do and you could just tell Rendon just doesn't have the passion for the game in fact I think he'd hang his cleats up if there wasn't like a hundred million dollars waiting for him to play these last three years right yeah. so I don't know Joel what do you think of Rendon's comments because like you listen to what he said and then you watch the backlash it does the does the pun does the punishment meet the crime? <laughs> this is this is a guy who tried to fight a fan last year, right? <laughs> so um <laughs> so yeah, you know, probably not the best guy to to ask that question to because he, he'll literally fight his fan base. Um Rendon to me, uh he had comments uh before he signed that big deal where his mindset towards the game of baseball was, this is something that I do good. I don't really love the game. I don't go home and watch baseball. I don't go watch the playoffs when we get bounced. Like I, that's the type of guy he is. He is good at baseball. I don't think he could care less about it when he's not around it making money. So it's really like, if, you know, if Trout comes out and Trout's like, oh my God, I can't get through a season you know, healthy, it's such an arduous grind for me. I, I really want to play. You would take that and be like, okay, maybe I, we should look at the, the season. It must be physically quite 
debilitating on these players who want to see them healthy. But Rendon is the last person I want to hear that from because he has literally said, I, I could I don't care that much about this game. I don't I'm I'm good at it. I make money doing it. I won a world championship and there, like you said, I I don't know if the passion was ever there the way it is, even for us, you know, to just sit around and talk about the game. He doesn't care. You don't, you don't think Anthony Rendon's going to host a baseball podcast when his career I ends? I really don't <laughs> think so. I don't think that that's that's he's not replacing Anthony Kratz on, uh, or Eric Kratz. I think the on, other uh, thing, I think, yeah, replace Kratz on foul territory. The I think the other thing that kind of rubbed fans the wrong way is that for a man who has played 200 games in the last four years and been paid $180 million to do so, to come out and say, I want to play less baseball. It's like you're playing 50 games a year, pretty much. Like, how many fewer games can we make this for you? Like, I, And I listen, I know being injured is really tough, too. So, like, I'm not trying to put like he's. It, I'm sure it's been a struggle and, and mentally draining to be this injured for this long and not be able to contribute to your team. But like just the optics look real bad. <laughs> like $245 million, right? It's like you're, you're, it's somebody who's being paid such a ridiculous amount. It's, it's tied to the Otani failure. It's tied to the trout failure. It's tied yeah. to Pumas. It's tied to Upton and all those terrible contracts that they signed. And the fact that those last four years, I think he's hit into more double plays than he's hit doubles. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. it is. So not only is he not on the field, but when he's on the field, he's a shell of the player that he used to be. So, you know, it's, it's not only does he not, care to be on the field but when he's on the field there's just no production anymore so it's that like and this isn't byron buxton where you just like you just feel bad for the guy because you can tell he loves the game like buxton when he's on the field is a joy to watch he's smiling you can just tell that he's just happy to be there and i know he's struggled with injuries mightily as well but he's just a likable guy so you don't get the same sort of like pushback when he's not on the field because he's a nice dude, right? He loves the game. Anthony Rendon, like you said, Joel, like he literally tried to fight a crowd member. Yeah. The (laughs) best thing Rendon has done for the angels was go lefty against Brett Phillips and hit that homer. Yeah. Right. That's I think the most amazing thing he's done in his tenure with that. Yeah. That's that's not good for a starting third baseman. who has been there for almost. It is not. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, as much as we rightfully so have been making a fool of, of Anthony Rendon, can we now acknowledge the fact that he's absolutely right? Yes, we can also do that. That's, that's kind of the element that I was saying that if it came really from anybody else, you would accept it, right? You would accept yeah. it. Like, but he's just the last person you want to have bring up. You want to hear that from, yeah. you know, it's just not, um, 162 games is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, from anytime you start doing like expanded playoffs and like shorten the season by a couple weeks and you, you know, you always get pushed back on like, Oh, record books and whatever. Right. But like, yeah, which is, which is fair. It's probably the one, it's probably the one 
um, negative to it. It it does it, make it tougher. It is, but it's also like I think comparing records from different eras is kind of way more impossible than we pretend it is in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. Like to just like go like before they played night games, you know, like before colored people were allowed to play, you know, like before you were allowed to like, there's just a hundred different things, but it's like, yeah, but there's always been a lot of games. <laughs> it's like, it's just, I don't know. I think, Look, I haven't played many Major League Baseball games myself the last few years, so this I might not be the best person to say this, but I hate the workload managementification of professional sports. I'm coining mm-hmm. that term right now. I mean, you see it in the NBA all the time. Yeah. Right? I don't think you see it in hockey as much yet. Um. If football is a short season, everybody plays all the time unless they're they're injured, right? But I think with like baseball, we talk about with George Springer all the time, right? Got to yeah. get him in a right field. Got to give him those extra days off. Get know, him off his feet. Get him off his feet. You know, we're going to use the DH as a rotating off day for, you know, guys like this and guys like that. And hopefully that. Ing- <clears throat> and it's like, I think the the common fan, I don't even want to say the casual fan. But I think the common fan has this idea in their head of these guys are better athletes than, they, than they've ever been. Like they're better conditioning, their diet and their training staff is like a thousand times better than it was when Cal Ripken Jr. was playing a million games mm-hmm. in a row. Right. Like these are spoiled, entitled brats. And I just, I I'm of the. The opinion that it's kind of the exact opposite is like, you know, you could take your car out on the highway and you could just drive it for six hours until it runs out of gas. Right. But if you're out and you're just like redlined, you know, like it, it puts, it's, it's harder on, on your Lamborghini to just be Mm -hmm. like driving at max performance a hundred percent of the time with no brakes. Like, so that's yeah. where I'm at with these athletes. It's like, yeah, they're better conditioned, but also like they are working Pushing their bodies probably more to, to yeah. the limits, like have never been seen before. Like you ever seen some of the, you know, there's a reason that fat pitchers is a, you know, a stereotype in sports, right? It's like the Kenny powers of it all. Right. It's not a thing anymore. Like we don't have, what, I who's wish your I last fat where... pitcher you could think of? CC Sabathia, maybe? Yeah. Right? Maybe Bartolo Colon. <laughs> I mean, because he's 100 five, and still pitching. Yeah, our right? number five. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> our number, oh, Scott. Scott, before you joined, while, while we're doing this, you got to hop on Alec Manoa's Instagram and look at the picture in his story. Right now. Tell, yeah, right now. Joel already looked at it. Tell me how much confidence this gives you. And his conditioning here as of January 22nd. It's a picture of him with a kid from his Alec Manoa pitching camp or baseball camp. Okay, yeah. I don't know. His hair's growing out nicely, though. He's got nice curls. Not at all. Yeah. He looks, he looks I don't know, man. soft, man. I don't know. I mean, he was always a bigger boy. 
that I, I don't know, dude. I don't even know what to say about. I was more just joking around when I mentioned Alec Manoa, but yeah, like there's big question marks there. But I agree with but you, point, and I wish point I could with with sports though, right? Is like yeah, these guys are pushing themselves harder. I think as fans. I'd rather see George Springer play in 108 games for the Blue Jays if that's the whole season. If we played for 26 weeks and it was four games a week, like every week was, you know, like how football kind of just like owns Sunday and it's like Sunday is just all the football teams are playing. Like if baseball did something similar where it was like whatever Thursday through Sunday, like is that your four-day weekend? But it's just like, you're playing one series and it's just the Jays are in Cincinnati for the weekend. That's their four games. And it's like, everybody has the same schedule. Like, I think there would Mm -hmm. be like almost a nice flow to that where you like, you have your three days off, you come in, you know, you've your four starting pitchers. So baseball would never go for it because you're cutting jobs at that point. But like, there would be a real beauty to be like, we've got our, fucking a lineup today and we're not worried about like giving one of our best players a day off because well so it's their shitty pitcher on the mound so we can put out our c plus lineup and hopefully still squeak out a win it's like that's i don't think any sports fan wants to see the b plus version of their lineup see this is where i was just going to say like logically you are logically you're nailing it adam um, I want baseball every day. I, yeah. This is why I love the baseball season is that, yeah. and honestly, the one day off when there's a Thursday and there's no Jays game, I'm like, I what know. is this madness? Yeah, right? It is like, weird. I, and I watched an interview and I wish I could, I could reference where this was from. It was an old interview with Nolan Ryan. And he, they were asking him about how often he was throwing as hard as he could. And he was like, never like, he's like, but velocity wasn't a thing, right? Like there wasn't a radar gun telling him how fast he's throwing. He's like, you know, when I, he's like, I'd throw as hard as I could when I was trying to hit a guy, but you know, like for the most part, you know, you're going at 80 to 90% max effort. And your goal as a pitcher is to go deep into the game. Your goal as a pitcher is to hit your spots and things have changed a little. Right. Like mm-hmm. the bullpens are so deep these days. Velocity is is everything's velocity centric at this point when it comes to pitching. I mean, yeah, spin rate and uh, a, a good uh, ghost fork or whatever gets attention here and there. But like for the most part, we know darn well that everyone is after velo because mm-hmm. it works. Yep. But it does it does lend to what you were saying about like the Ferrari on the highway redlining. Right. Like there's a reason why there's an epidemic of arm industry, arm injuries in the industry of baseball right now. And it's because these pitchers are redlining constantly. Yeah. I, I like the aspect of like, if you're, if you're taking away eight to 10 games and you're building in natural rest spots where you can do, um, uh, an occasional cycle of your pitching rotation where you go one, two, three, four, back to one instead of hitting five, because there's like not, nothing like a game where, you know, game one of the series is two guys who are like near three ERAs. And then by the end of the series, it's two guys who are like five eighty, And you're like, you know, in, in hockey, it doesn't go from like, okay, here's your goaltender. Who's got a 
915 save percentage. And now here comes the 615 save percentage goal. He mm-hmm. lets in a goal every third shot. It's just like that doesn't exist. So the fact that yeah. like when you go from one game where literally the ERAs will double because of what a five starter is in baseball. Um, mm-hmm. If you're eliminating a little bit of that, that just improves the quality of the game naturally. It makes the sport that much more competitive by removing that low end aspect of things. And it builds. And you know what, Joel, to further to your point here with expansion coming, this really might be the way to stave the quality of baseball, right? Because yeah, like two more teams, more you're like thinning it out just more. Water right? it down that much more. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It yeah. And more like, like, like in baseball because, um, You've you, in postseason baseball, you don't see that fifth starter, right? right? You don't see that, so it's just like it's you don't it's see kind of the a, fourth starter. No, you don't, right? So if you <laughs> if you kind of make it so there's a little bit more rest days, so that the regular season is almost how you build a playoff series, then it's uh you know a lot more indicative to the the style of play, and then it's not just that kind of shocker that. Oh, a team does really, really well built like this, but once they get into the playoffs, they're not even close to the same team because they're mm-hmm. built to build win 162 and they don't have an ace to come in and win game one. They get like bounced who, who wants to go watch Tanner Roark pitch on a Monday, anyways? You know what I mean? Like if it's my five versus your five and it's a Tuesday, like those are the games where five thousand people show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways. No, it's true, man. It's true. You know? All right. Should we get to the one piece of baseball news that actually did drop this week? So yeah, let's... Uh, what's crazy, too, is that no one was even talking about the Josh Hader market, even though without a doubt he was. I mean, there's Edwin Diaz and then there's probably Josh Hader. Like they really are like two of the most impressive closers mm-hmm. in baseball consistency wise over the last with hater you can go back nine years he's been this dominant i mean he had that that one blip on the radar that kind of screwed his career numbers even where he like just couldn't he, he what blew like eight saves in a in a month span or something like that before the the brewers traded him and then he completely rebounded like he's been just as dominant after he kind of got his footing again which does show you every baseball player slumps even if they seem um it, it, even if it seems like it's impossible for them to do so. This is this is from uh, Jeff Pass and star closer Josh Hader and the Houston Astros are in agreement on a five-year, $95 million contract. You know what I love about this contract? Big money. Big money, huge contract, and the media wasn't used to up this. Right. There wasn't a bunch of leverage shit going on, or at least not in public knowledge. This was all behind the scenes. And I'm sure there was leverage being used and there were teams being pinned against each other, but it wasn't being committed by John Heyman, who's being given a little bit here by agents just so that the price can go up. Right. Uh, the deal contains no deferrals. Another thing I love Houston just paying the man. Right. It is the largest present-day value contract for a relief pitcher in baseball history. Josh Hader joins the Astros bullpen that already has an elite closer in Ryan Presley. Like, they'll be the best one-two punch in baseball. So Hader's deal for $95 million exceeds that of Edwin Diaz's in 
isn't dollars. Deferrals took the value of Diaz's 102.5 million deal to around 93.2. So just a little bit more than Diaz with the Mets. Uh, one other thing I'll mention here, I know that uh, Passon mentioned Presley and just what a huge one-two punch that is for high leverage guys. But honestly, Brian Abreu with the Astros, like it might literally be the best one-two-three punch in all of baseball. And I think there's a real argument to be made that the Astros have the best bullpen in the American league, hands down. Joel, would you say that? Where would you put the Astros bullpen right now? Oh yeah. Um, that's, I would have to put them on in the American league. Just the fact that you're, you're coming out of the sixth with the lead and you expect to win 90, 95% of your games at that point. Like that's pretty much what you're doing. Just, you get that lead early and you've got three guys. It, it's also that situation where you run out hater three days in a row, and then you're happy to go to a Brayu or you're happy to go to, to Presley to close out games. So it's going to be a situation mm-hmm. where you've got backup closers. Presley's their closer. They're bringing in a new closer. And Joel uh, Hader is one of those Hader's one of those rare guys that can go two innings here and there. True. And it's almost like a, a platoon situation with your closer. You've got three righties coming up. Presley's probably going to get the close. Yeah. You've got you've got uh, two lefties in a righty coming up. Maybe Hader gets that spot. So it's almost situational closer usage, depending on what you're up against. Um, it kind of says that uh, I know that the, with the deferrals and everything that Hader's contract's bigger, but it's kind of a it's a situation where if you're like competing for the record, you got to see if the Mets are in go mode or not. Yeah. Because yeah. If, the, if the Mets are spending, then you can probably get that record. If not, then you're going to have to like find your way, you know, oh, you're right. getting more with deferrals. You've got the record, right? Um, yeah. The other thing is uh, Romano. Romano is kind of like the next consistent closer in baseball who has that, who's young, who's had success for a nice long period of time. And it makes you think, what are the Jays going to have to pay when his free agency comes up? Because you know, ninety-five million for a, an amazing closer. Where does is Romano an eighty million dollar closer? Where where does he sit? Now, I'm gonna say some things right now that are going to offend some Jays fans, but there's a bunch of idiots out there that truly believe Jordan Romano is not an elite closer, and it drives me nuts. There are people on Twitter that were calling him a ten to fifteen best closer in baseball at best, which is just so, listen. If you feel that way. That's your feelings because you obviously don't know how to read numbers because you look at the numbers since 2020 and Jordan Romano is literally one of the most dominant closers in all of baseball. He is a top five closer without a doubt. Listen to this. In, so these are relievers who have pitched over 200 innings since 2020. And I do want to say that I am aware ERA is a bad way to value your 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 relief pitchers right whip is normally a more valuable stat when it comes to and the reason for that is short sample size okay so we're eliminating short sample size here this is these are relievers over 200 innings this is now i mean once you get into these big sample sizes i really believe era might be the best stat out there it just cuts right um, through the fat go ahead to play Joel. 
to play to ERA is that when you're a closer, it actually is more indicative because you're coming in with clean innings. It's not, you're not yes, coming in yes. usually with people on base. So it's not, you're not taking on other people's runners and then those runs score, but your runs don't score. You didn't. So it's just like, there's usually mm -hmm. a situation where you come in to close. That's your inning to come in and close. So ERA is a little bit more indicative for, for those. Now players. I will also say that Josh Hader, by the way, should be on this list and he's not, we already talked about how he really blew up his career stats there when he went on that like month and a half long, like he blew eight saves. I think his ERA was in the tens over that. Like he just, he just couldn't prevent runs for like six weeks and it ruined nine years of incredible stats. But mm -hmm. that, that being said, which is the most hilarious baseball thing ever, but that being said, so this is relievers with over 200 innings since 2020. Number one is Devin Williams with the Milwaukee Brewers, a 1.75 ERA, a top closer in baseball, right there with Diaz and Hayter, without a doubt. Okay. Number two is Emmanuel Classe with a 1.97 ERA. He's probably in that group too and is probably in the top four. So is Jordan Romano a top five? Yeah, I think he is the fifth best closer after that. His ERA is a 2.29. And then after that, it drops drastically. Rizel Iglesias with uh, the Braves sits at 2.61. AJ Minter with the Braves, 2.89. And then after that, it's Kenley Jansen. And now you're into the three ERAs. Like, Jordan Romano is elite. What he does, yeah, sometimes he makes it so that you got to breathe. You, you, you're breathing heavy, right? You're, you, you, he makes you sweat. You know, I made the comparison before for all the 80s Oilers fans out there. He's, he's the Grant Fuhrer of closers, right? Like Grant Fuhrer, probably a Hall of Fame goaltender. I don't, I, I don't even know if Grant what's, actually got in there, but... Romano's ERA the last five years? 2.29. Mariano Rivera's career ERA is 2.21. Yeah. I mean, That's, I saw He's been Mariano Rivera for the last five years. Like, I, I saw that comparison on Twitter. Of course, the Yankees fans lost their fucking mind over it, right? And, like, tore the kid apart that brought it up. Because there was this tweet that was like, who are two comparable number-wise players in sports that uh, <laughs> one is a hero and one is a heel and then that was the example but um yeah jordan romano man like i don't know how you can look at his numbers and think that he's a bust like it just blows me away those dumb toronto baseball fans that don't understand <laughs> baseball yeah well you know what it is it's like the amount of people who are like he always blows it when the game's on the line, it's like, yeah, you fucking idiot. He only he's pitches when the game's That's on the line. That's the only time he pitches is when the game's on the line. What do you mean he blows it when the game's on the line? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's a great point. That's really sums it up. Really sums it up. Um, by the way, just uh, talking or to get to the question, I think Joel posed, uh, what will he get paid? Um, Josh Hader. 29 right now. Edwin Diaz, I think 28 when he signed his contract. We have two more years of control with Jordan Romano. He'll be 32 as a free agent. So that'll play a role. But, yeah. 
But I don't, I don't think I'm too worried about age when it comes to closers. No. Like you're not giving out a 10 year deal to a closer anyways. Yeah. So if, if it's 32 through 37 of Jordan Romano, I'd still take those ages. And Romano has continued to improve throughout the years too. You know, like last year he had the most saves he's ever had. Um, at 32, For me, if he if he continues with these numbers, I think there's absolutely a three year, fifty million dollar deal waiting for Jordan Romano, bare minimum. For for me, this might be like the Joe Simpleton of me as a dumb Toronto baseball fan. But the only, I mean, we talked WHIP versus ERA, you know, evaluating a a closer and what. For me, it it is only save related it is saves and maybe if i'm looking broadly save percentage like if a guy has Mm -hmm. if two closers both have 40 saves and one of them is 40 for 40 and the other one's 40 for 45 like he has five blown saves and just many saves Mm -hmm. that you know that'll be a tiebreaker for me but it is only saves is the only thing that i care about as, as far as evaluating a closer and that i know that that's not fair because save opportunities is kind of out of their control and whatever but i still I, for me it comes down to like if he's the closer on a good team like if a, a good team wants a good closer right so like you know you know if josh yeah. hater's going to get 50 saves for the astros next year yeah, it's because he's the best closer in baseball. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what we're arguing about here. Like, we thought no, and, and because Chapman, he has fifty. I don't mean like we arguing. I just mean like you know, as us as baseball fans, yeah. broadly speaking, in the royal sense. Like, yeah, how many saves did they get? Oh, okay. Well, he was the closer on a bad team. Oh, well, I guess that says how good he is then. You know, like if you're the closer for the Boston Red Sox right now, maybe you're not that good of a closer. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. that's for, for me that's the the argument as far as like a guy that is a closer and doesn't have as many saves it's like oh yeah but he's on a bad team well if he was better he'd this, be on a good team period like, this is this is a little out of left field but what do you guys think uh where do you slot tim Meza in the pecking order of the toronto blue jays bullpen uh, num- number one against lefties so it's just like to me, it's situational about what's coming up in the uh, the lineup for the the opposing team, right? If 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 we're talking about slotting them with three righties coming up, I don't slot them very high. But if two out of the three batters coming up are lefties, I'm putting them, you know, pretty pretty darn high on the list. The the specialist role is gone, but it's not it's not completely gone. And there's ways to you know properly use him, especially more this- like. Can I read the I depth knew. chart right now? Just so that yeah. anybody that's not familiar of who's who we retained, who's still here, who we added, whatever. Currently for our bullpen, we've got Jordan Romano. This is no particular order. This is just MLB.com listing. Uh, Jordan Romano, Eric Swanson, Tim Meza, Chad Green, Jimmy Garcia, Trevor Richards, Genesis Cabrera. And Yariel. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yariel Rodriguez, sure. And and you know what's kind of interesting is that if you were to just put it on the the depth chart, I only bring this up, and I'm with you, uh, Joel, on the situational use of of Tim Meza. But it probably goes Jordan Romano, Chad Green, Eric Swanson, T. 
Tim Meza as number four. And I say that only to pump the tires of Tim Meza here, whose 2023 numbers were posted recently. And I knew these numbers and had forgotten how good they were. In 69 appearances, he had a three and one record, a 1.52 ERA, 53 and a third innings, 53 Ks, a 2.1 wins above replacement, tied with Jordan Romano for the best as a Jays reliever. Like for your number four in your depth chart to be putting up those kind of numbers, and I'm not expecting him to replicate that because relievers are a yo-yo up and down with numbs, and obviously there's a lot. The thing, the tr- the truth is, is if Tim Meza had been blowing up once last year, those numbers wouldn't look so good. So like there is some um perspective to be put on those, but pretty solid numbers for a guy that is most likely that, only gonna yeah I think that Mon- talent of righties around him allows you to use allows you to use him properly right mm-hmm. to put him in situations where he doesn't succeed so you know kudos to the uh, the staff around him that he's able to be used properly and you don't really have those blow-up situations because he's so used the situations that he's put in are exactly what he needs to succeed so my, and my I'm not only... saying the Jays' pen is in the same category as the Astros, but do you guys feel like they're a top three to four bullpen in the American League right now? Okay. Yeah, and my only pushback with the pecking order that you gave there is, I for me, Eric Swanson's above and, Chad Green. And that's fair. I, yeah, He's my number fair. two. I, I think Chad Green maybe historically is better if you look at career numbers. I don't know. I know he's coming off of injury, so last year's numbers aren't necessarily a fair uh, indicative of of who he is but a 525 ERA and a 133 whip for uh Chad Green versus a 297 ERA and a 1095 for Eric Swanson uh plus Swanson had more saves so there you go um but uh yeah I I have By the end of this season, Chad Green might be a absolute monster in this bullpen for the team, and, and yeah, whatever. But just as as it stands right now, January twenty second, twenty twenty four, for whatever that's worth, it's Romano, then uh, Swanson, then Mesa, and and then Chad Green. After that, I might even have Trevor Richards ahead of him. But yeah, I think this is a good. Oh yeah, I think Trevor Richards. Bullpen. I always forget Trevor Richards. I, I don't know if he's going to be good next I year. Yeah, I, think, I don't know if he'll even be in the pen next year. We'll see. Yeah. They've got a pretty deep system going on right now. But, but yeah, I, as far as where does this bullpen stack up against the rest of the league, I think, again, our pitching staff is going to be fucking stellar from tip to taint. So I'm happy with yeah. it. And honestly, we don't know what Yariel will be. Like that guy is no. coming mm-hmm. off a, a, a 1ERA in, in – Japan, um, his, his stuff profiles, his fastball is exceptional. His slider is one of the best in baseball uh, mm-hmm. on, in the league. So mm-hmm. who knows where he ends up slotting in. And they're giving him the, the majority of the, the money out of the bullpen. So you've got. Yeah, which was an interesting decision. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, anything to add here? I, I figured we'd end on a bunch of like kind of fun stats that I'd had dug up here. Um, just before we do, because I'm going to forget this if I don't. When we talked about Anthony Rendon and what would he do to change the game, I, to bring this back to hockey, I was watching TikTok last night, 
and I saw a highlight of an Al McInnes slap shot that I think it was against the Kings and it like went off the crossbar and then broke a pane of glass behind the net. And uh, I was just thinking of like how awesome it always is when the glass breaks in hockey and how like the NHL for sure, this is my opinion here, but the NHL for sure should just put up like one random pane of like weaker glass Maybe it's behind the just like every arena for every game. There's just a weak one. And like, don't like advertise it. Don't tell it to the fans no. or anybody. Don't tell it to the players. Just in secret, make one week. A body check that just fucking goes right through the glass. A slap shot that explodes one behind the net. Like, I don't care if there if it doesn't happen every game, but like there needs to be 20 broken panes of glass across a season for every team. Like as an eight-year-old Flames fan, Al McKinnis was. I knew you'd like the Al McKinnis. He was just a big, skinny guy with a huge stick that could, like, man, <laughs> his slap shot was insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. anyway. <laughs> um, so, with that in mind, with that crazy rule suggestion, um, that NHL should behind the scenes tamper with their plexiglass to make the game more entertaining. Um, what would the baseball equivalent of that be? You don't have to come up with something, but next time we talk, think of something for baseball that would just like be a secret change that like would make the game a little bit better. And don't tell me it's like one random juiced baseball. (laughs) Cause they're already doing that. That was my first thought. (laughs) Uh, I'm like, they're already doing that, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) Just just one ball that literally explodes on contact. I like the idea of like one pitch a game. You give it a two mile an hour bump. (laughs) Everyone's like like 107 miles an hour. (laughs) That's totally what you could do. You'd be like, we're just going to fudge the radar gun. We're just going to. Every once in a while, we're going to just put it up on the board as 107. Just blow people's minds. Okay. okay um, so let's, let's get let's to your final wacky this. stats then. Let's end on this. Uh, how often runners went from first to third on singles in 2023? The Atlanta Braves uh, above all of baseball. 41% of the time when there was a runner on first and somebody hit a single, they went to third base. Almost half the time, which is just insane. Baltimore is second at 38%, Arizona 36, Cleveland 35%, 34% of the time Detroit, Pittsburgh, San Diego, Cincinnati, KC, Tampa Bay, Dodgers, Seattle, and then uh 30% of the time Minnesota, Toronto, Boston, Oakland, the Yankees, which is impressive Toronto did at 30% of the time when you've got Alejandro Kirk and Brandon Belt on your team, so that hurt your numbers. What's interesting though is Take a stab in the dark. Who did it the less, the least, at 25% of the time? This is just runners go from first to third on a single? On a single. Which team in baseball was the worst at this? The worst, the the Boston Red Sox. The Texas Rangers, World Series champions. Which does go to show you, sometimes those little extra 90 feet, it's better to not just run into and out. (laughs) <laughs> a little oh money goodness. ball there okay so this next one 
uh, is most home runs in a game his team lost 2021 through 2023. Carlos um, Delgado. Shohei Otani. Well, 2021 to 2023. Right. Uh, okay. Shohei Otani had 53 home runs in games that his team lost. Pete Alonso had 46. So, like, Shohei Otani is head and shoulders above everyone else. Pete Alonso at 46. Um, Christian Walker had 45 home runs with the most losses that his team has had. Sal Perez with 43. Perez, no surprise when you play for the Royals. And then Kyle Schwarber with 42. Interesting. Just an this- interesting stat. I don't know. Okay. This uh, story that that stat reminds me of like pushback that Vladdy gets. I don't know where in our comment section this came up in the last couple of weeks, but we were talking about Vladdy and a bounce back season from him. And someone commented, my apologies for not remembering who it was, but it was like, oh, Vladdy only hits home runs in games that like were either garbage up time. by 10 or down by 10. Yeah, garbage time. Like, it's just it's a crapshoot. Like hitting dingers is just you get control when they happen. And I think Shohei having the most in losses is a, a good well, indication of that. But nobody shits on Shohei Otani for for having a big game on a bad team. So it's it's a situation too there where a lot of that they're hitting Otani in the, in the two hole, and there's probably nobody on for him. So a lot of those home runs are solos. And yeah. there'd probably be a few more wins if there were some people on base when he hit those home runs. Same thing. But Anthony Peter. Rendon, Anthony Rendon is injured and that's right. Doing he podcasts about wanting to play less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just pictured the pep talk Anthony Rendon's given his kids though, where he's like, You guys gotta listen to me, follow your heart. You gotta do what you love for work, and you'll never work a day in your life. Unlike me, I had to slog it out in the majors. <laughs> Just punching the clock. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm so, doing this so you don't have to. I'm doing exactly. this so you don't have to. Rendon. That is too funny. I love that. Okay. Longest active streak of seasons with at least one stolen base. So these are guys that are still playing. So right now, Andrew McCutcheon and Elvis Andrews are at 15 years in a row with at least one stolen base, which I, I know one doesn't seem like a lot, but to do it consecutively like that, not have injuries get in the way, all of these sort of things, it is pretty impressive. Jason Hayward has 14 years under his belt with one stolen base, and then 13 uh, has quite a few players, Trout, Altuve, Freeman, Goldschmidt, Crawford, and Blackman. I, good. I think that's actually like a, an important stat because I look at a guy like Carlos Correa who hasn't stolen a base in four years. And to me, that was like a big sign. Like, don't go after this guy long-term. His legs are already shot. The guy can't even mm-hmm. run. 27. He has, he's not stealing bases anymore. Yeah. And it's just like, what kind of range are you going to have if you're incapable of running? Yeah. Know? So it's, it's something that like the, the legs are indicative of your, 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 longevity in this game as soon as your legs go and like McCutcheon's a great example of guy I was just gonna say McCutcheon like right like he's his legs have kept him productive into his late 30s and and you know uh, Ricky Henderson is the perfect example of somebody who kept his legs underneath him and stayed effective well into his mid-40s so mm-hmm. yeah I feel like 
I feel like that's an important stat, you know, keeping your athleticism, keeping those legs underneath you. And uh, it keeps you an athlete. It keeps you on the field. So the last stat I have here is basically does, can you keep your bat speed up into your mid to late thirties? Uh, longest active streak of seasons with at least one home run. Now I know that this guy is retiring, but Nelson Cruz has 18 years in a row with a home run under his belt, which is honestly insane. It's honestly insane. Uh, Canadian, maybe even a Hall of Famer, Joey Votto has 17 under his belt. Uh, Evan Longoria has 16. Andrew McCutcheon has 15. And then Freddie Freeman, Giancarlo Stanton, Jason Hayward, and Carlos Santana have 14 under their belt. So doesn't really mean anything, but kind of an interesting, interesting little stat. I like yeah. it. Um, before we go, I got one question for Joel that came in from last week's mailbag um, that I think Joel would be good to answer this. So this one came in from Mark Drebert, 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 I don't know. Um, says, I asked this last year when I was a simple Twitter peasant, but now that I'm part of the Patreon upper class society, I'll throw it back to you. Is there a stat in baseball? that shows how often a hitter gets himself into scoring position without the help of his teammates. For example, he hits a double or a triple, that's on him, or he hits a single or walks and then steals second. I couldn't find anything for myself. It felt like the Blue Jays ended 3,000 innings last season by grounding into double plays, and it would be nice to have more guys in the lineup getting past first base. Uh, Unfortunately, similar to my dating life. Joel, do you have an answer for that? I don't believe that there is a a singular stat right now that says this is how many times a player has gotten into scoring position on their own. I like that idea for a stat, though. It really, it kind of, it says a lot. And the, 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 to play onto that is is we've talked about how last year was a push for speed with Kiermaier and Witt and having guys on the team that were a little bit faster. But we always talk about the fact that you had two guys who could not move and that kind of contradicts that ability to go first to third. So that drastically affected that stat drastically affected the amount of double plays that we hit into last year. So yeah, I, I, I completely understand the, the futility of putting a guy on just to get two outs. And um, it's a situation where it, it, we, if we can bring ourselves up five, 6% in the ability to go first to third on base hits and mm-hmm. you know, cut that amount, 15% down on the double plays, that's going to go a long way. It's going to go a long way. And it's not about picking up a new player. It's well, it might just be about letting one player not stay on the team. And that kind of, I think has a, a big reason why we brought up, uh, we need another bat. We need another lefty bat. Why aren't we looking at Brandon Belt? Because we can't have two guys on the team that yeah. literally undercut your speed. So that's kind and of. I it, I love Belt. It, me it, too. It's, it's just, just that situation can't. It's just that be situation. Like the only Who's the other guy on the team that log jams Kirk. the running. Kirk. Kirk. Okay. The only way I can see Brandon Belt being a viable option is if he's purely a pinch hitter coming off the bench 
He yeah. gives them uh, a one-year, two million, three million dollar deal. Like that's the thing, right? Like a Matt Stare Brent, situation. A Matt Stare situation. Like Brandon Belt at eleven million dollars, where you're trying to get him into the lineup every day. I I just can't stomach those two on the base pass. And again, I, I'm a Kirky fan. I'm a Belt fan. I I just Brandon Belt pinch hitting for Matt Chapman in the ninth. We love. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and. This also uh, two incredibly slow guys and one incredibly incompetent guy in Vladdy on the bases too. So it's mm-hmm. just like thirty three percent of your runners are atrocious at running. So you just you and know, this was the point I made about the Texas Rangers with the lowest percentage of going first to third is that you know the Jays management made such a big deal out of attention to detail and then they were god awful on the base path. The amount of times where I honestly was like, let's moneyball this shit station to station, never freaking take another 90 feet because they, they just keep running into outs. And I know that this is feeling based a little too after I gave everyone shit for, for your feelings not matter. Read the, the, the stats because obviously the stats show the Jays were competent at going first to third. But how many outs did they run into where it just was like morale killing? Right. Like you're down by one, like even even and I hate to harp on it, but going back to runners on second and third one out down by two in the wild card and Vladdy gets picked off. Like, are you kidding me? Like, anyway. (laughs) Is that um, is that uh, immaturity? Is that a lack of baseball IQ? Is that. I think it could happen what to anyone. Is it I, 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 I don't know. You say you, it can happen to anybody. I don't see that happening to Corey Seager. Yeah. I mean, it did bum me out to hear that it was through pitch calm that it was done. You know, like, it's like, okay. But you're right. I, I can't see that happening to Corey Seager either. Like, and it's, it's you know, it's picked off, but it's, 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 the, the times where he comes around first base going for second and is done by 15, 20 feet. Yeah. And it's massive. And you're like, why, why are you trying to, why are you trying to get your extra base hits with your legs? Yeah. Why are you trying to do that? Like you, yeah, that's just, no, it's, I love the aggressive approach, but I, I agree. Like when he's thrown out by so far or he, he rounds first by a mile, and then needs to head back. And it's like, it's always scary every time he rounds first and has to head back. Um, but like, is that, um, do you think that's, you know, when you look at the Blue Jays season as, as a whole last year, you know, we can say attention to detail or whatever, but like, is it, is it, um, is it more the approach was the issue or was it just like tough luck? Like, do you think if we if we didn't change anything going into this season, do you think the numbers are just better? Because it just felt like, you know, every time it could go wrong, it did go wrong. We were never getting a bounce that went our way. Or is it just that, like, no, the bounce never went our way because of, like, low baseball IQ, and no one was telling Vladdy, oh, don't run on Randy or Rosarena because he has a good – or whoever, it, you know, like – if you pull one down the left field line, this left fielder has a soft arm. So go for it versus 
this left fielder as a fucking laser beam. Let's let's just hold up at one. Like, what do you guys think? Is that more, or is that just on Vladdy saying, "I got a green light, no matter what. I'm just gonna." It's a vibe check as I round one. <laughs> like, for for Vladdy, it's it's experience and all that stuff. Like, I don't sit there and go look back at all those times that like David Ortiz was getting picked off. I don't remember any of those instances. And like, and that guy was similar type slugger, big slugger, not getting picked off. So the fact that Vladdy is turning the, the, the idea that Vladdy started losing weight and some aspiration to be a base stealer came into his head. Like that, that needs to go away. That aggressiveness on the base pass, just, it's not about him. His game is not getting an extra 90 feet on the base pass. That's not what he's about. But then tie that in with Belt and Kirk and their inability to run and tie that in with Wit aging out a little bit and stealing 20-something bases, but doing it at like a 70% clip, which isn't that efficient. So it's kind of a mixture of older guys not having the wheels, um, slow guys who don't have any wheels at all, and, and young guys who don't really, they shouldn't be wheeling and dealing. That's not what their game is about. So it's kind of a mixture of kind of all those things in one. and Cause you don't see it out of Bo. You look at Bo's sprint speed in 2020. These are kind of off the top of my head here. So there's a, a few discrepancies when it comes to the actual number, but he was around 76% in 2020 in the league for sprint speed, 66 in 2021, 52 in 2022 and 46 in 2023. Um, but at no point was I like, how is Bo getting thrown out at second again? Like he just wasn't that guy, right? Like he kind of knows his, his skill set and his strengths and he sprayed the ball around the field and got his doubles in the way that a guy like him should get his doubles and, you know, got his extra base hits in ways that a, a dude with that kind of swing should be aiming to get their extra base hits. And I think Vladdy very much like Joel touched on two minutes ago said, you know, like he was, he was slumping he was getting the looking at his hard hit rate and being like, well, I'm just unlucky. And then, you know, when you're in those sort of scenarios, yeah, you can bury yourself a little bit trying to stretch singles into doubles with legs. You probably shouldn't be doing that with. And I, I, I think that's an experience thing. I think that's a youth thing. I know everyone's going to hear this or, well, I guess it's Patreon. So we're pretty safe, but you know, if this was a public show, everyone would be coming at me with, he's not a rookie anymore. Like my God, how many, chances are you going to give this guy it's like well he is still 24 sorry like fucking deal with it he's not even 25 till april like what are we upset about here i don't know this year is huge though by the way yeah i'm not giving vladi a pass like if if vladi repeats 2022 again or 2023 again this year maybe we got to reevaluate everything yikes yikes um all right all let's right. let's end it on that